Welcome to Brands in Action, the podcast that asks the questions every brand should be asking. Today, we welcome Sarah Ward, Senior Director of Brand Marketing at Spoonflower. The dizzying pace Sarah Ward maintains frequently leaves mouths agape. If she were a superhero, she would be the accomplisher. Her presence is felt across nearly every channel in the company. Sarah's scope of mastery at Spoonflower includes brand storytelling, customer first experience, team building leadership, influencer marketing strategy, channel specific execution, analytics, email strategy, social prospecting, content engagement, project management, problem solving, and cross-functional team leadership. She heads the entire brand marketing team and has consistently generated year-over-year increases in all her six years at Spoonflower. She has a bachelor's in general management with a concentration in marketing, plus a master's in exercise physiology. It makes sense that her extracurricular activities and volunteering include organizations like Raleigh City Farm, Stonewall Sports, ask her about her kickball championship, which we will do, Just Trying It, and South Durham Little League. Vroom, vroom, she goes fast. By the way, that sentence is in your bio, which I love. Like, it's such a great human thing. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you, David. That is quite the intro, and I'm incredibly honored to be here talking to you. Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. I, I got to ask about the kickball championship. Talk about it. In my, in my way past, I was a softball player. And as an adult, it's really hard to find an outlet on a diamond. And so I yeah. came upon kickball in Raleigh through Stonewall Sports. Uh, Stonewall started up in 2013 as a uh, LGBT and ally organization um, yeah. to create community around sports. And kickball was their sort of flagship. And so I, I jumped on that wagon um, in the first season and have been playing ever since. And then I, there are other organizations like WACA. Um, and then there's a travel team that I play with as well. But um, the folks that I play with in Raleigh, we show up and we we come to play and yeah we are actually back to back right now um stonewall champions so yeah kickball's great it's a great outlet um really great people good sportsmanship let's me get back on the diamond so it's good it's good stuff kickball is one of those sports that i remember as a kid like someone who was sort of you know i weighed 80 pounds wet when i was you know 15 (laughs) you know that's one of those sports that i remember like you get nailed by the tough kids you know they're like oh i'm gonna i get kickball yeah let's do it you know and then they take you out when you're trying to get to first base yeah it's the kind of sport where people have these um nostalgic memories from pe class in elementary school but i can tell you that this is not your elementary uh kickball by any means I remember uh, going to a softball thing once and thinking like, well, how hard could it be? Because I was stupid. And uh, <laughs> it's hard, like against real softball players. Yeah, you can't even like hit the ball. Like, you sure. know. Well, it is so great to have you on the show. And I actually really love Spoonflower, the company and the brand. It's very cool. But before we talk about it, tell me a little bit about your journey. And, and uh, you do a lot of things. You're, you're managing a lot of things. Managing digital in a branding environment, I think, is a real challenge. But it's also... It takes a certain kind of headspace, you know, to manage all that stuff. Talk a little bit about how you got here. For me, the career path that I've been on, you know, I really feel at a really unique place in my life personally to be able to engage with and service the community that is Spoonflower, both internally and externally. You know, I, I, I went through a stint with NASCAR in, in NASCAR components for, for eight years or so. Um, and then I moved into the you know luxury men's clothing space with Peter Millar for a period yeah. of time. And so, you know, learning learning different demographics and really putting my hands in lots of different projects and getting a, a really wide breadth of experience, it really taught me what I was interested in, what I was passionate about, who I was passionate about serving. And, you know, I think that broad range of skills kind of lets me be a jack of all trades, if you will. And I, and I feel like the, the yeah. position that I have right now really kind of dabbles in a lot of spaces. And I'm really thankful for that because I get to bring, 
all of myself to work every day. And every yeah. day it's something different. And I really, really appreciate that about the environment that we, that we have at Spoonflower. That's incredible. You know, some people love doing all the things and some people just want to concentrate on one thing. And it says a lot that you um, have the bandwidth, you know, the headspace to do all that stuff. That's incredible. It really is incredible. Tell us about Spoonflower. Tell everyone about Spoonflower and what you guys are up to. It's a really cool business model and it's really interesting. Yeah. So Spoonflower is, uh, it is, it's an amazing place and it's an incredibly special place to work. We are a digital on-demand textile printing company, and that's a pretty flat black and white statement, right? So you can conjure in your yeah. mind, okay, you, you print stuff on textiles. Okay, cool. But really, you know, what Spoonflower is, is we are a completely inclusive community that has this amazing engine of independent artists. So we've got this marketplace. Spoonflower is a marketplace of designs. Right. We've got millions of designs in our, in our marketplace at this point. You know, we've got thousands of artists all over the globe that, you know, have um, these passions that they that they get to put into play because of the platform that we've created. They upload their art, they make it for sale, and consumers on the other side of the equation come to the platform because they're looking for something unique, interesting, niche, on trend, a specific color palette, you know, or, you know, just some sort of like thematic icon that they're trying to pull from. And we've got it, right? So we've got more than a million designs. We've got all of these artists. The consumer comes, makes a makes a choice to either you know, when they find a design that they like, they can put it on fabric if they want to actually make something themselves. Uh, they can put it on wallpaper, and we print out wallpaper on demand as well. Uh, yeah. We also manufacture home decor products. So things like curtains, duvets, pillows, wall hangings, um, those are all printed and manufactured on demand too. So the consumer comes, has this whole host of amazing designs to pull from. And every time they make a choice, there's an artist, an independent artist in the world that makes a commission based on the choice right. that they've made on the platform. So right. that in a nutshell is what the, the Spoonflower um, marketplace and community is all about. I think the thing that sparks me, sort of my passion, and what I when I see a business like this that I love is it is a give and take between a, a company and a and a community and a customer. Like it is a triangle, and I love the way you guys support community in a way that allows people to express themselves and allows customers to buy into that expression and exp and therefore express themselves. It's very cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of our, our core values is self-expression, right? So, I mean, community is probably number one, you know, that's something that we take very seriously and just find a lot of joy in, but self-expression is right up there too. Yeah. You guys have experienced phenomenal growth in the last few years. And I have to ask, and I've asked this so many times, but I, I think for you guys, it's even a little bit of a different kind of question. Do you attribute the growth, you know, you, the trend was growth before COVID, but do you attribute the growth to specific trends in technology or culture? Was it COVID? Was it in, in kind of how did that affect you guys? And, and how, how did Spoonflower sort of express itself during that time? I think it's easy to look back at, you know, the early part of 2021 and 2020. And, and I'm sure that lots of um, companies and industries would, would, or you could speculate the COVID sort of um, equation. But for us, you know, we we saw that, you know, while COVID perhaps accelerated the path that we were on, it certainly didn't cause the path that we were on. Right. You know, the buyer's behaviors that we saw in 2018, 2019 and before were exampled in 2020 just at an accelerated pace. You know, we we I would say that we were at work to be in a position to really celebrate and be available for a, a global need yeah. that humans were going to have a long, long time ago, because we've got this massive marketplace. Um, we've got the most 
interesting and, and niche designs available, right? So we've got this really long tail approach to fabric search in search engines, right? In Google, in the Google space. So when suddenly the entire world needed masks and masks were were in a shortage, you know, people, you know, sort of like locked arms together and decided to make masks together, the brick and mortar stores were were shut down. So, you know, right. they go online and we we had been for more than a decade building out this, you know, just amazing opportunity to be found when people needed right. us. And and from that point on, you know, really it's been taking a moment and being able to share with those people um, the values of our community and sort of the, the engaged, you know, artists and, and other makers and trying to pull them through those conversations. You know, so once they, once they came to us, they had a need, they came to us, then it's sort of on, on our shoulders to say or to try to prove to them, you know, what our value is and why they should stick around. I love that. A lot of the people that I've talked to on this show, the the pivot was not, I wouldn't call it staying alive, but it was adjusting to some kind of crisis, you know, and, and, and it expresses itself in different ways for different companies and different business models. But I'm wondering if it actually, the pivot you guys had to do was to actually keep up. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like you wouldn't believe there were moves being made uh, before the pandemic hit. I mean, we, you know, we've got some incredible C-suite folks that we've, you know, brought on board recently, you know, our our CEO, um, Michael Jones, who's just an amazing firecracker um, and, you know, someone that is really good at leading the charge. It's really, really easy to get behind him because he leads with so much emotion and so much passion. You know, and then our CRO, Jessica Liseski, um, who's my boss, you know, she is the same way. I mean, she's day one. It was, you know, March of 2020, you know, day one, her and I, she's in the trenches and we're trying to get her up to speed. And, you know, she hit the ground running like a firecracker. And so, you know, and think about the world back then, right? So March, 2020, you know, we're like, you know, looking at budgeting and financials and thinking like, do we pull back? Like, what's our plan? Are we, are we going to be open? You know, what what's happening in the world? What, you know, what's our supply chain looking like? But thankfully, we've got literally everywhere you look in Spoonflower, you have got just incredibly smart people who are super dialed into whatever their craft is. And so, you know, we short up our supply chain, um, you know, starting back in December and, and January of 2020. Um, yeah. So we were super lucky there because we saw things that were happening in Asia before, you know, things were happening. In yeah, other- you knew it was coming. Exactly. Um, you know, and then you've got this, you know, hard charging leader like MJ saying, you know, like, we're going to keep fighting. We're going to do this thing. We're going to be available. We're going to stay open. Uh, we're going to figure this thing out. And so we all sort of banded behind that. And through, I would say, April, May, June, we probably disappointed a lot of people. You know, we were running at, you know, 25, 30 day turn times. And if you look right. at our site right now, you know, our turn times are under a week. I mean, we'd love to get our stuff in and out in, in a week. Right. And, you know, when people are in a in an emergency situation, really wanting to be able to, like I said earlier, band arms together and, and, and join the crusade. Um, and where they're one outlet, right? Where we are, where they're getting their fabric from. So, you know, trying to keep up with that volume certainly was incredible, but, you know, our, we increased our workforce and we also moved into an amazing 110,000 square foot facility through it all. So, so we went from this, you know, like makeshift, you know, business park venture into, you know, this really amazing state of the art space uh, so that we can get faster and go bigger and, and deliver, deliver more. When did you actually kind of physically all come back to the new space and start to really use it? How soon was that? So in March of 2020, we all went home. Yeah. Our factory stayed open. Our factory never shut down. Yeah. Uh, and we, we operate 24-7. You know, and we, we kept our shifts super isolated. And, you know, we've got like electronic management trackers to ensure that people are staying at a safe distance and, you know, whether or not they've been in contact with each other. So we've implemented some technology there. Um, but our factory never shut down. And because we were in that business park environment to begin with, essentially our factory 
took over all of our office space in order to be able to yeah. maintain safe distances between workstations and, and people. And honestly, since then, you know, we are still all working from home. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, I would call it a happy accident. I don't know if it is. I feel like you guys have sort of a preparedness strategy. <laughs> it seems like you guys are always going and ready to to pivot and, and do the and adapt, you know, but uh, it's a pretty interesting way to look at it. It is an era of D2C brands. And, and um, I, I, you know, on Instagram and all the social media, I, you know, you just inundated with you buy one, one D2C product and every D2C product, you end up on a, on a target list. I have also noticed, you know, you get, you get deluged by these D2C brands. How have you guys stood out? Like, how do you look at it to stand out in, in that world? So in order to stand out, people who come in contact with your brand, you know, we, we try to be intentional about how we, you know, how we come up in search results and, and, and yeah. who's finding us. You know, we try to be, we honestly come from a perspective of, of trying to be available to help people. I mean, we don't want to inundate people. We don't want to show up in places we shouldn't show up. And so we, we really market from a place of, you know, wanting to be very organic and very helpful. And so I think that we as people, and and I would even say we, the brand, you know, our hearts almost exist outside of our chests, right? Yeah, they're yeah. they're just open and bare, and you know, we 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 leave it all on the table. You know, I mean, I think we have you know very open conversations. We try to be, you know, uh, to really pull um, those core values of things like you know sustainability and inclusivity yeah. and community. Like that's really threading through all of the conversations that we're having, whether that be on Instagram or TikTok, even you know through our yeah. email platforms and such. So. I think that we've built this great infrastructure to make us make ourselves available, COVID or, or not COVID. Honestly, you know, if you're searching for fabric online, if you're searching for wallpaper online, there is no reason why you shouldn't shop Spoonflower because we have the right. widest design selection available. So, if, you know, if, if there's something that you're looking for, we absolutely have it. It's kind of mind blowing. It can <laughs> be know? a bit of a, a rabbit hole, um, but you know, it's it's also pretty fun too. Um, you know, I think because we put ourselves in a position to be found, you know, we really have to lead with our hearts because. Yeah. Yeah. that's what's going to keep people coming back. That's what's going to keep people interested. That's what's going to foster those connections and those conversations yeah. that we so much want to have and we want to be able to facilitate. So it's it's really about community through commerce. I love community through commerce. We, we talk a lot about turning community into commerce, like using each other to solve a problem. You know, it's a really great way to look at things. How much do you use the community for their marketing or how much does your community of artists and designers provide marketing and content for you? We believe in the the, the humanization of our brand, for sure. Uh, wh- whether yeah. that be internal faces, external faces, you know, we believe wholeheartedly that our artists are the superstars and that our makers are, are the second layer of superstars. And, yeah. you know, when we're able to lift up those voices and lift up their work, we're the byline, you know, they're the headline. Yeah. And and that makes a really big difference. Um, you know, we really are a champion for for the artists who are populating our platform with amazing designs and for the makers who are coming to access uh, the designs of those artists. So, you know, I really think about Spoonflower as kind of the byline in that situation. And those those parties are are really the headliners. That's a super cool analogy. I like that. That's very interesting. Let's talk about the brand. Do you have a, a, you know, you already talked about self-expression, so maybe that's it. But do you have an articulation of the brand that you, that lives in the company? Yeah, I mean, self-expression is absolutely at the core of what we do. Um, Community is, is there too. And I think if I had to just sort of sum it up in a sentence to anyone who, who wants to have a conversation is that we think that, you know, your 
creativity is welcome here um, and and whatever that means, you know, that that could be from an artist's perspective, that could be from a maker's perspective. It could be from, you know, someone who um, is, you know, wallpapering their, their, their powder room and has a specific point of view that they're trying to express in that space. So um, your creativity is welcome here. That's beautiful. So we, we, when we talk about a brand, we, we think of a brand as a a set of behaviors based on an anchoring belief, you know, like there's a, a belief system and a set of values that drive everything and that, and you try to art- articulate that and your, your articulation is, is actually beautiful for that. And so purpose can be, we call it kind of big P, little P, like we think of it as capital P purpose is like the big social changing kind of stuff like Ben and Jerry's, you know, or Patagonia. But the little P purpose is still really important. And little P purpose is great, helping people with, you know, be more confident or, you know, to your point, like supporting artists, things like that. Do you think of yourselves as a purpose brand? Yeah, I think that we absolutely are a purpose brand. Um, You know, I think at our base, when Spoonflower was created, sort of this like democratization of art was sort of at the sort of foothold of of the creation. But I would mirror that against, you know, our our work and striving for, you know, sustainability. You know, if you think about, you know, the textile space more broadly, globally, it's a pretty rough industry on the planet, right? So, um, and, yeah. and on and on humans, right? So on humans and in the place where we live. And it's incredibly important to us um, that we sort of keep community and sustainability sort of at the core of, you know, what drives our decision making every day. I mean, yeah. we print things by the swatch, by the fat quarter, by the yard. So on demand completely, um, you know, you hit go on our, on our website and that sort of puts the wheels into motion on the other side. So there's no huge mill, you know, offshore somewhere that is, yeah. you know, creating thousands and thousands and thousands of yards of, of fabric that may or may not go, you know, used or unused. And also the method of treatment that we have, I mean, everything is water-based. It's completely, you know, healthy and, and, and innocuous to the environment, the way that we, the way that we treat our fabrics. So, you know, between the on-demand nature uh, and the way that we print, you know, those things are, are really important and really, um, integral to the, the foundation of who Spoonflower is. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, sustainability is something that we think about all the time. Yeah, that's super cool. Talk to me about the, the values that live in the company. You've, you've already talked a little bit about them, but in particular, I'm interested in how those values kind of live inside culturally and, and how the brand drives the company itself, the kind of people you hire, the way you go about things. You've already talked a little bit about that, but do you have an articulation of your values that you're excited about? The four pillars are community, self-expression, and self-expression, you know, could go hand in hand with creativity, sustainability, and inclusion. I mean, those are our four big pillars that we have. And, you know, for us, from a brand, business, uh, and operations perspective, you know, I think that those four values are at the foundation of, of all of the decisions that we that we make, um, you know, be they the materials partners that we that we choose to partner with, yeah. or yeah. you know, even uh, you know, local partnerships or or influencers and media personalities and such. I mean, I think those those four things really drive you know not only the things that you see, but also the things that you can't see as well. Um, yeah. I mean, recently I, I I took on a project of. Um, MJ, I, I, uh, Michael Jones, MJ is what we call him internally, but uh, the you know the leader of, of Spoonflower, he's been pretty hype on uh, wanting to redo our packaging, um, and so he sort of like 
threw that at me and said, hey, go yeah. go make this happen. And I agreed. Like, I'd love to have a, a really great customer experience in our packaging. Yeah. So I went out, you know, to the marketplace and, and started searching around. And I came across this company called No Issue. And so now our, our branded packaging, both the, the tissue that wraps the contents as well as the external packaging itself, um, is all made by this company called No Issue. And it's all completely 100% compostable. Yeah. Um, but being able to say, okay, here's this, you know, plain white packaging that we have. It has a certain cost. It has a certain value. I can't necessarily tell you what the ROI on this this new venture is going to be, but I can tell you the reasons why this is a good decision for us. Yeah. And going through that conversation, you know, is very easy. It wasn't. It was not difficult to get that point across that you know being able to lead, especially you know the exterior of this amazing product that you're delivering. Like a, it should be branded and colorful, and b, it should serve a purpose that's greater than you know just a single use plastic that happens to be sitting on someone's doorstep. So you know, I, I think that in a lot of companies, um, at least in my experience in the past you know, those conversations usually wind up on the CFO's desk, right? Where it's like, okay, well, what makes sense here from a dollars and cents perspective? And that's that's not the way this conversation went. I mean, our both MJ and, and Brad, who is our CFO, I mean, we, we sat down and got together and, and we made a more of a brand emotional decision than we made a financial decision. Yeah. That's what a great brand does. Honestly, that's what I love about it, you know? And, and, and I also, I would say that, you know, people can sniff that out really fast if you're not living your values. If you say, we're about sustainability, community, all these things. And then you go like, hey, but uh, scrimp on the, let's get right. some non-recycle, you know, unrecyclable plastic into the, uh, <laughs> into the packaging. It's like people know it. They can tell. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about how a brand can create a meaningful culture. And, and those, those decisions create meaningful culture, which I love. That's wonderful. You know, for, for us, our, our brand isn't just um, like fun foam core posters that you hang yeah. around the factory, right? I mean, it, it our values really are a part of the oxygen that we breathe. And, yeah. you know, I think even during our interview process, which is, you know, pretty lengthy and extensive for for all roles at Spoonflower, we really get to assess and show people the DNA that is Spoonflower and they get to make a decision of whether or not, you know, they're in or out and we get to you yeah. know, do, the, do the same with them. So I think those four things are felt um, pretty regularly. And I think that's key because, I mean, they're your first brand ambassadors, right? Your employees yeah. are, are the right. first are the first people to talk about your brand, to stand up for your brand, to you know spread the spread the good word. Really, so it's it's really important to be authentic. Is a tricky word because I think you could manufacture authenticity, but I'll go with organic. Like I think it, it's got to be organic. Yeah, I love that. I think you know I think when you have strong a strong brand with articulated values, you can use them to do employee reviews. I mean, it it really is a filter that just helps everything. That's what that's how we look at it. I, I think it can just drive the organization as much as it can drive the quote, marketing, unquote, you know? And what a beautiful compass that is though, right? I mean, if you if you have a consistent compass and you have a steady drumbeat, you don't usually second guess yourself because you are you understand the pattern, right? And you're all doing yeah. it together yeah. and you understand what the expectations are. And it, and it just makes, you know, that sort of agreement, um, yeah. you know, and, and having that transparency just makes it easier to do it together. Yeah, it's fantastic. So as a brand that celebrates design and beauty and self-expression and aesthetics, what would you call your visual iconography look and style if it was a Pinterest board? What would you call it? If Spoonflower were a Pinterest board, uh, I think Spoonflower would be called, there's a design for that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Because if you, if there is, and, and I would challenge anyone, I would challenge anyone who's listening um, to go and look, you know, look for something just interesting or obscure or thematic or, you know, something that just really could be, um, an inside joke about corgis eating waffles or or it could be something you know incredibly on on trend right i mean go go and look and let me know if you can't find something that is an example yeah. of what you're searching for there literally is a design for that that's cool i like that a lot 
Do you have a tone of voice that you would, in your communications, do you, have you articulated your tone of voice? The tone of voice of the brand is um, approachable, inclusive, fun. We try to have a bit of a, um, a tone of authority, but not in a sort of like hammer tapping kind of way. I mean, we, we want to be, to be trustworthy, right? So th- there has to be a point of view that feels somewhat authoritative because we need to we, we want people to be able to trust the position that we're coming from and then they can rely on you know whether it be the trends or, or or the design input that we're sort of asserting but i think approachable you know and fun yeah i think that that is that is who we are and i think that is sort of what you see when you experience the brand one of the things i like about you guys is i, I you know if i was going to articulate it off the top of my head it's like you're the voice of a thousand voices you know Ooh, yeah you are representing a million voices but you're doing it in a way that's really fun and really inviting and interesting. I love, you know, I, I love, I always love trying to articulate a tone of voice in the tone of voice. You know? Absolutely. Sure. And, sure. Uh, I think that's a, that's just a really cool thing that you're, that you guys are getting at. The fun thing that you just touched on there is how do you represent a million, but be able to be uniquely perfect for one at the same time. Yeah. Right. So like yeah. you, you, you have this mass, but that one person with that one need you know, you need to be able to make that direct one-to-one correlation. And yeah. so that is that is a challenge uh, that we tackle every day. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that you, you put that really nicely. Well, I, I realize I made you guys really small with a thousand. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so you have all this really well-articulated branding. You guys have had phenomenal growth and you were acquired by Shutterfly. A, I'm assuming this whole, the growth, the brand, all the things are what attracted Shutterfly. How has that relationship helped drive new opportunities for what you're doing? Did, did Shutterfly buy into the brand or did they say, hey, we want to change this or change that? You know, how was that initially accepted into the sort of ecosystem? It sounds like very cliche to say the possibilities are endless, um, but it, we, I really mean that not as rhetoric whatsoever. I mean, yeah. I think the day that we were acquired was a really, really important day for Spoonflower. Yeah. As we've been introduced to, you know, the teams and our colleagues at, at Shutterfly, you know, I am just so thankful, so incredibly thankful to be partnered with really, really brilliant people. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, I think with, with every conversation and every work session, I'm just in awe of, you know, what their brand is able to pull off and what those individuals bring to the table every day. And, you know, being able to work beside them and learn from them. I'm just I'm incredibly, incredibly thankful. Things are still relatively new. Yeah, But I think that what I've been sort of overwhelmed by, quite frankly, is how just gracious and um, complimentary literally everyone from the CEO down is of the Spoonflower brand. Yeah. They love us. Uh, their board loves us, uh, from what I'm told. And, you know, they, they really want Spoonflower to stay Spoonflower. Yeah. Um, they yeah. know that we've built something, that we've built something that's important, uh, that people buy into every day. And I think in the early days of the of the acquisition, I, I'm guessing it probably was a transaction, right? But yeah. some, somewhere along the lines, they fell in love with us, and it's pretty obvious just the way that we've been embraced, um, you know, by their by their teams and by you know, within their culture. You know, there, there's not a like company wide meeting uh, that doesn't yeah. go by with someone mentioning something about you know some awesome thing that's been that they saw Spoonflower do. So it's really just an honor. It really is. Yeah. Well, listen. I mean, when you when you acquire a brand or a company, you're you're acquiring all sorts of things, you know, from the sort of tactical to the operational to the capital expenses, all of that stuff. But what you're really doing is you're aligning with a brand, you know, and that brand has to have some kind of value. And so that's, again, another reason why when you have a strong brand, it's going to make that acquisition much clearer for the employees and much 
set up success, I think, uh, more efficiently, you know, if you if you have a strong articulation and understanding of who you are. I know with Shutterfly, I re, you know, you see our acquisitions all the time where you go like, I don't get it. I don't know why they did that. Shutterfly makes sense. I totally get it with what they do and what you guys do. It's adjacent and it makes some sense, but it also makes each other stronger. It's 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 pretty smart, you know. I personally love the opportunity that it that it brings for our artists, right? I mean, they, you know, Shutterfly is obviously from a um, uh, you know, their audience is, is much, much bigger. They've been at it for a lot longer than we have. And so, you know, being able to in, uh, introduce our artist community to their community uh, and, you know, start to have those conversations and be able to sort of open up that space, um, that to me is, is where all the fun is. So I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited for that. So what do you think the next five years look like? Like, where's this all going? On the heels of having the best wallpaper and home decor month ever in Spoonflower's history, that was November. I mean, November was just just a rocket ship for us. Um, yeah. Our second, so we we just finished up our second annual Craft Friday event, which is this like, you know, big sort of or creating this global movement of like, it's sort of the anti-Black Friday where instead of, you know, going out into, into commerce, you know, we're inviting you to come in and take up a new project. And we've got, you know, instructors from all over the globe that are, you know, talking about, um, you know, different crafting types or, or, or artistry types and giving lessons and so forth. You know, I think it's safe to say, it, it seems like, each anniversary, you know, we just best ourselves again and again. Yeah. You know, I think the next five years, probably the word that I would assign to the next five years is scale. You know, I think that we'll be able to supply more small businesses with the products that they need so that they can scale and thrive. I think that we'll be able to connect, as I mentioned, our artist community to the 21 million strong new customers that are in the yeah. space. You know, and I think that we'll be able to serve our customers faster and without compromising the custom nature and the print on demand quality that they expect from us. So I think we, we really want to, you know, sort of maintain the fingerprints that we have and just sort of grow on top of that. And so I think, I think scale is, is the word for the next five years. Is there a world where you could go from uh, being D to C to, to being more brick and mortar? Huh? That's a great question. Um, I want that to be true. Um, yeah. I think that would be a phenomenal experience. And, you know, to me, that's a, um, have you been to, um, there, there's a couple of locations, but uh, I've been to the one in New York a couple of times, the Color Factory. I have not. I know what you're talking about, but no, oh, I've never. Yeah. So it's this like, you know, experiential immersion of like yeah. color, right? So you go into this, uh, you know, makeshift museum, if you will, of, and, and it's a maze and you, and you walk through it and you experience color through, you know, taste and sight and sound and, and all of these textural things. Um, it's really, it's a blast. I've done it twice. It's just such a blast. So to me, you know, I think that you know, we could create a really interesting experience in a retail setting. So yes, I mean, the, you know, the, the commercial piece of it, the commerce piece of it, for sure. Um, yeah. I think we could really layer in something that could be really unique and fun and get people to experience color and design in an all new way. So I would love that opportunity. Man, the idea, the idea of sort of bringing design to that kind of experience is so cool. <laughs> it's yes. such an, an almost intoxicating opportunity. Do you want to do it with us? Maybe we can do it together. Yes, I do. That'd be great. Let's do it. That sounds fantastic. That sounds great. Where can our listeners find you guys? Uh, Spoonflower.com. That is where we we set up shop, uh, Spoonflower.com. And um, yeah, we're open open 24-7. Well, Sarah, it it has really been a joy to have you on the show. I, I really admire what you guys are doing. I love the way you're activating your community. I love the way you're supporting creative people and designers. And then also... I love the fact that you guys, you're one of those brands that the, the notion of democratizing design is often taken as making design available for everybody. But I think it also promotes design 
to people who wouldn't otherwise think of it. And I think that that's such an important part of this story. And I, I just love the way you guys are doing. So I'm very thankful that you exist. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it is. It really is an honor to get to do what we do every day. Um, and I know that, you know, I I speak for many at Springflower who feel the exact same way. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's an amazing journey. Um, you know, it often feels like we're lassoing a rocket ship and, you know, trying <laughs> to make decisions in real time that are, you know, really important and really impactful. And we have really, really good intentions. And so we, we try to listen really hard. And I think that's the most important thing really is, is listening to the people who are telling you what they need and, and showing up for them. Um, I think that's, um, I think that makes a big difference. That's incredible. I love, I love the, uh, again, I love the analogy of uh, last wing a rocket ship. Only Elon Musk is really doing it. Everybody else is, you know, it's a, it's a metaphor, but he's actually doing it. For sure. Yeah, for sure. This has been another episode of Brands in Action. Many thanks to our guest, Sarah Ward. Today's show has been brought to you by Ponysaurus Brewing, the beer beer would drink if beer could drink beer. Ponysaurus Brewing, drink about it. If you're digging the show, please give us a review and a like. It really does make a difference. Production help by Nathan Nichols, editing by Sarah Voorhees-Wendell, executive production by Alexa Tesoriero, and music by Medium Heat. All other help from your friendly neighborhood Baldwin Ann. 